Welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and in this episode, we'll be talking about evidence-based training. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10. This episode is also brought to you by Barrel Block. Listen, if you are tuning into this podcast, I assume you've heard of Barrel Block. It's the industry standard for safe, dry fire practice and classroom demos with a real firearm. Barrel Block prevents negligent discharges and eliminates training scars. I love using Barrel Block with students because it's safe and puts everyone at ease. When installed, and remember, no tools or disassembly required to use them, everyone in the room or on the firing line can see that the firearm is safe and inert. Plus, given the price, I can't imagine a firearm instructor who wouldn't have one in their classroom gear and one at home for personal dry fire use. Pick yours up today and enjoy a special offer for listeners of this podcast at blocksafety.com and use code INSTRUCTOR20 for a 20% off discount. That's B-L-O-K-Safety.com. Today, we'll be talking to Todd Fossey of Integrated Defensive Solutions. Todd has a 15-year background in psychophysiology, offering special insight into the psychological and physiology and perceptual effects of high-stress critical incidents and human performance. He spent many years working as a bouncer and head of security at high-profile nightclubs, and during that time, experienced and secured numerous real-world violent and dangerous incidents. He's also an NRA-certified firearm instructor, RSO, first protection inside the home instructor. He also specializes in hand-to-hand combat and has skilled in numerous martial arts. As an official member of Team Funker Tactical, Todd Fossey is charging onto the national scene as a top-tier disruptor, innovator, and champion for the Citizen Defender. He is the CEO and Chief Instructor of Integrated Defensive Strategies in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome, Todd. Thanks for making time for us today. Man, it's so it's so good to be here. Finally, finally mix it up with you a little bit. We we spent a week we spent a weekend together staying in the same place, but we never really got a chance to talk while we we were right in the same room many times. But it's so it's we nice for us to finally pass, do this. Passing in the in the night, just about and like totally hey, nice guy, you know, nice guy and. You know, yeah, go on and like, yeah, you know, I need somebody to talk about this. And Todd Fossey, you mean the Fossey that was like in the room with me? Yeah, that's the guy. No idea what the background shout was on everything. <laughs> shout out to our friend in common, Bryant Garibay. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for hooking us up, man. Yeah. Brian, Brian's a good guy. Hooked yeah, us yeah. up uh, for the NRA convention there in Indianapolis. And yeah. he's also uh, been on the podcast already talking about uh, purchasing a uh, firearm training business. So, you know, he's been awesome. very helpful uh, to this podcast. Awesome. Well, Todd, evidence-based training. We, we've gone along in a lot of cases. We've had a lot of uh, different instructors talk about training. And one of the biggest things that I think would be a common across all the training is we need to train what's appropriate. We can go around and run in circles all day long, call it training. But if there's nothing practical about how we would apply that in real world situations, I think everybody would admit that's wasting time. It's just no different than when it comes to self-defense. Our firearms have got to be connected to how we train to real world incidents, our stance, our fire, 
what kind of ammunition, I mean, what our attitudes are, everything when it comes to, you know, knife skills, they've got to be, you know, based on evidence. We just don't go in there, you know, go Rambo on somebody or, and even with our grappling skills, they've got to be evidence-based because if we don't have what we need at the time, you know, that everything hits a fan, we're in really bad shape. Can you uh, run us through, uh, what you do and and some of the things from an instructor standpoint can do to help their students be a little bit more prepared for that uh, hopefully uh, battle that never comes well i'm going to do the best that i can with this this is a <laughs> this is at least a seven hour conversation for us to scratch the surface so i'm going to do the best i can to condense it um i want to start by saying um first off it's this is a huge honor to be here i think the the work that you're doing is really important to provide a provide the right type of information, network, and support for people that are out there doing very important work. And for that, you and the people listening in the audience have my eternal respect. So uh, thank you very much for that. Um, the things that I'm going to say are, you know, are my take. They're my point of view. And the, the way that I like to put things is I like to put things out there for everyone's consideration right? I don't want to be dogmatic about anything. Um, this is not an exact science, why I take a scientific approach to this. I was a lecturer at medical schools for almost 15 years. Now, while it sound, my bio might sound like I'm kind of a meathead because I was a bouncer for so long, that was what I did when I was in school, uh, getting my formal education. Um, so I was sort of the, the, uh, the anti-intellectual that way. I was the intellectual that was, you know, bouncing at night, right? Um, <laughs> But the, the background that I have in my formal education in science has sort of led me to the approach of what, I, what is known now as evidence-based training. I think first and foremost, the evidence-based training is so important that we're not just arbitrarily choosing how to use our very valuable training time. I think that we see a lot of different stuff happening out there in the training world. If I offend anyone or ruffle any feathers, I, I don't mean it that way. I'm just going to speak, speak my truth as I see it. I see a lot of entertainment out there. I see a lot of people that are, are spending their time, you know, and, and putting on courses that are going to be entertaining for people. And, and that's, that's fair to a degree because it, it, does, it does make money. But there's an awful lot of stuff that's going on out there that is not reflective of what happens in reality. Um, that's one. Two, I think that the training tends to be far too infrequent. And a lot of training scars can be can be created that way, and a false sense of confidence can be created that way. So in short, um, evidence-based training to me is sort of the same as saying reality-based training, where we want to take the way that I approach it is I, I uh, cross-reference a number of data sets, and then we take that information and we extrapolate it. We call it taking information and turning it into application. So that way, we're prioritizing our training based on probability, complexity, and need. That's how, that's how we, we want to look at it. So I'm kind of a data freak. If any of you ever have a chance to meet my wife, she'll tell you that I receive sexual pleasure from the, co the collection of data. She calls, <laughs> she, calls it, she calls it data porn. And so I'm constantly pouring over data and finding ways that I can incorporate that data both, you know, uh, it, both in an empirical way you know, uh, in a quantitative way, as well as a qualitative way where um, I can, I can make the qualitative meaning I can make, you know, observations um, that are anecdotal. I can see patterns emerge just by watching videos and having the real life experience that I do have would be having been exposed to a lot of violence. 
but um, also um, what the data shows as well. So we find a way to cross-reference those things and build curriculums um, based on what we see from the from the objective empirical data. That, that's very interesting. What what some of the data points that you've uh, come across that have been kind of surprising to you that you know just in the last couple of years and made you go along and rethink it's like ah maybe i shouldn't be focusing so much on this i should be focused on something else to be completely honest it would be hard for me to answer that question over the last what i've discovered over the last couple of years because i think the patterns of violence have been very consistent over a long period of time and i really started pulling this together in an empirical way about 10 years ago now so i I think that I think that where my mind wants to go with this, I'll go back to some of my early years of training where I, I, I did a lot of training with law enforcement, um, with and of law enforcement and, and military. And then the more I did that, the more I realized that, wow, this these, what we're practicing, what we're training here for these for the context of military and law enforcement really has very little to do with me. You know, that was sort of one of the big eye openers, you know. It has very little to do with me, and it was really sort of a standardized approach that was really geared around. Um, the, that was the other part of it that was really geared around preparing to qualify for, you know, for a test. And you know, reality doesn't work that way. It's the the variables when we talk about the reality of violence for this for the citizen defender or the civilian. The those variables are unpredictable and they're not repeatable. So I began to realize we needed a more adaptable style. Uh, an adaptable style of of principle-based training that would allow us to be able to adapt to whatever set of circumstances that we're faced with. I think one of the main things, uh, in my opinion, that is important that people understand is just how, just how closely, just how close these interactions take place for armed citizen defenders. Um, The average, or I should say 86% of, of shootings for citizen defenders happens within uh, within 15 feet you know 76 percent of those take place a distance of six feet the average distance is nine feet between 30 and 40 percent of the time there's some type of a actual physical contact or interaction or or scramble that's taking place throughout the, the course of that violent encounter so these things are happening at a very close distance Mm-hmm. So, so being able to have the adaptive skills at that distance where marksmanship is really going to be a lower priority. You know, we, one of our sayings at IDS is don't be a gunfighter, be a fighter with a gun. And to borrow uh, an analogy from Ken Murray, you know, um, which I think is really the best way to put it. Ken Murray says, you know, generic marksmanship is figure skating and fighting with a gun is hockey, right? There's, there's an overlap in the context, but uh, why, why do hockey players skate the way that they do? Because they're skating in a very different context in a violent environment uh, where there are a lot more variables for them to have to deal with. So um, that's, that's sort of the a general overview for what our, what our approach is at IDS for training. Yeah, and that brings up even questions, a few things in my mind, because for many years as I've been a firearm instructor, we've gone along and talked about like Tuller drill, 21 feet, second and a half and you should be able to go along and draw and fire two shots within that second and a half which what you just said 21 feet is going to be on the outer edge of anything that we're going to be able to we're going to be in the middle of very small percentage which means those the skills the firearm skills of being able to go along and 
hit the bullseye at 21 feet or even unholstering it that quickly becomes less applicable because if they're within 15 feet, us going for a holster might delay us from doing something else like running. And not right. Not only that, but we're we're tipping our hand. We're we're mm-hmm. right. We're not concealing. We're 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 showing a level of intent, and we may be escalating there. I mean, we're just opening a huge can of worms. Yeah. So being able to no- negotiate and navigate those distances, those closer distances, is critical. I mean, if we think one point four seven seconds for the average person at twenty one feet, imagine what that means at six feet. And mm-hmm. now we talk about you know you know uh, reactionary gaps and lag times and you know, how many rounds it takes to stop a determined average determined aggressor, you know, holy crap. I mean, you better be able to, to know how to do that. And there's only one way to know how to do that. And that's to experience it and have proper training in that over and over and over again, know how to fight your way to your gun, know yep. when and how to use well, and it. Even there, if they're in that close, you know, you said, do you want to tip your hand where they might go for the gun? You know, they're going for you and all of a sudden see the gun and they start going for it. That could be a problem. But also too, if you're the quickest draw in the West, guess what? You can put five shots onto somebody and they still have, you know, a minute or two minutes worth of life left in them that their knife, their hands, you know, any number of things that, that they might have can be used as a weapon, which means that if you don't have the ability to go along and grapple with them a little bit and keep them away from being able to use that knife or use it in specific ways, yeah. you might still lose the fight, even though you were the first, the first, uh, get the first shot off. Absolutely. I mean, just north of me here, you know, I don't know if, you, if you've ever seen the footage from the, the, the knife terror attack that took place in St. Cloud, Minnesota. That guy was shot five or six times, continued by a citizen defender and continued to get back to his feet and continued to attack people. So the integration of the firearm skills with the hand-free skills, with the understanding of the use of force and deterrence and all, all, of, the, all of those uh, intermediate skills, we call it baking all those skills into the cake. We want to be able to use all of those things together, um, all those things together simultaneously, which is a, uh, an art form all into itself. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I look at it like the periodic table, right, as a geeky scientist guy, right? If I add a molecule to an element, that changes the element. If I remove a molecule from the element, that changes the element. So we have to deal with all these variables, and if we're going to be a responsible citizen defender, we should have unconscious competence in multiple disciplines simultaneously. So chances are good we'll have to use all of these modalities at the same time, as opposed to just compartmentalizing them into their own silo. You know, my background is is in neuropsychology, and so there won't be associations made. The brain and the neural nets will have not associated those skills together, so they'll use them independent of one another and mutually exclusive if it hasn't been practiced to be integrated as a whole, a holistic approach toward training. And that's what my business is all about. That's our emphasis. We, that's what the name of our business is. A little plug there. Integr- in, integrative defense strategies. You can't see that, so you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it, integrative defense strategies. That's what it, that's what we what we feel it's all about. I I'm kind of just to. I'll just I'll just say this because as you know I'm a pretty outspoken guy. I'm I'm kind of beginning to be known in the industry as one of those extreme close quarters guys. But in my mind, I don't see it that way. To me, that's where these that's where these incidents take place. So I'm I just see myself as a self defense guy who uses the principles of MMA for self defense and weapons defenses that incorporates the the element of the firearm with it. 
Well, and it's really layered, you know, like we're, we're talking about, I mean, you could say at three feet, you do this six feet, be a little different, nine feet, 15, 18, 21 feet. You know, the same thing as we're taught teaching a basic CCW class. We let them know if somebody's at 50 feet, your best option is to run, get out of there, get back in your car, do something else like that. But if they're within, you know, close enough distance where you turning your back, jumping your car puts you at greater risk that's when you've really got to start determining what options you do have and if you've only got a gun guess what you're going to be in a gunfight but if you've got hand skills maybe you can go along and deflect them well not only that but if we think about you know we talk about the use of force continuum a lot i'm sure the people listening to the show do too right we're talking to instructors so the question i have for instructors is great you're talking about the use of force continuum but are you really teaching people to address the whole continuum or are you only teaching people to address the highest level of that continuum? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 80% of assaults are simple assaults. They're not even aggravated, right? They're simple assaults. And now your student is carrying a firearm. Forget about in holster weapon retention. At that point, they need to be able to preemptively act. If they get to the point where they have to practice preemptive or practice in holster weapon retention, it's probably too late. In my opinion, having done this a lot, a lot of instructors really have a misunderstanding for just how violent things become as soon as someone has a weapon on hand. It's winner take all pretty much at that point, whether it's in holster or out of holster. Um, man, it's it's a whole different ball of wax when when you start getting well, into today's those today's world where we've got video cameras all over the place and people are publishing videos, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, places like that. You get a lot better firsthand account of exactly how violent some of these uh, incidents can occur. John Creo over at the Active Self-Protection, he comes out daily with a video, and you can actually see good gun handling skills, and you can also see how violent things are. You can also go along, confirm exactly what you were saying about how close things happen. Yeah, there's a couple times when things were at a distance, but there are most of the time... They're in with arms reach when somebody's grabbing or reaching over the counter, you know, in a uh, fast, uh, in a uh, restaurant yeah. or in a wherever store, or you go yeah. along, you're at the gas pump and they've got you cornered between your car and you know, the gas pump. And you've got, you know, it's not 21 feet when they start coming over because they're not going to tip their hand until they think they've got the upper hand on you. Yeah. To me, the 21 foot rule is really, I just, I, I look at it as a buffer and it gives me an idea. We, we have something we call timeline defense. Different distances give me a basic idea for what my options are at what distances. I just see it as a, as a buffer for decision making, which sort of leads me into my next point. Another point I think I'd like to see more of within the training world is training more, you know, yes, obviously having the kinetic skills is important. But training sound decision making is even more important. And I think it's dramatically overlooked where you know, I think people start need to start spending more time in three dimensions with against real energy and with real people as adversaries so they can get a little bit better feel for how, you know, um, they can get a little bit better feel for, for how this works, you know, and, and making sound decisions and, and, and being able to recognize patterns there are certain portions of the brain that learn through pattern recognition. So now they're getting more and more um, 
accurate and decisive and faster with their decision making based on what their options are at different distances and different circumstances. So I'd like to see training become a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more influence on on the decision making process as opposed to just being a great shooter at 21 feet during a duel at high noon. Yeah, you know? exactly. Let me ask you this, Todd. Some people might be listening to this and go along saying that if I'm teaching 20 and 30 year olds, this kind of integrated uh, defensive strategies would be really good, you know, because they can, they can kick, they can punch, they, they'll be able to grapple really easy. Is there really an age limit when you go along and talk about doing these integrative uh, d- defensive solutions? No. I mean, there's different levels to this. We want to meet the students where they're at, right? It's mm-hmm. not, we, 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 we're careful not to have this be a one size fits all thing because everybody's set of circumstances and attributes are so different. And there's no two situations that are the same either. We have, we have a student who is 84 years old and uh, he comes, you know, he comes week after week. He's dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury right now. So we haven't seen him real recently. He's healing up from that, but he'll be back. And uh, even if you don't have the kind of uh, spry prowess that he still has at his age, um, there's so much that a person can do regardless of even if they're not old or regardless of what their attributes are. If you have a good instructor who knows what they're doing, they'll be able to tailor these, these skills and these techniques for, for what are going to be most effective, what are going to be most effective for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, a- absolutely. Uh, people in wheelchairs, we have people with disabilities that you know, there's an awful lot that they can do um, to increase their probability for survival. And that's what it's all about, right? It's about the mitigation of probabilities. There's no guarantee for the 20 or 30 year old either who has five amateur MMA fights. That doesn't mean, and is still in, in his inter- learned to integrate the farm or other tools at the same time. There's no guarantees for anybody. Only takes one person getting lucky. Uh, I, I was introduced, uh, couple years ago i had a martial arts student come in and show me how a cane can be used extremely effective and when you start talking about people that are getting a little bit older or slower walking nobody thinks twice about somebody using a cane that's right but if they're skilled with it oh my gosh oh yeah i mean that's like a baseball bat that they can swing yeah. Uh, have, have, you know, have somebody come up and try to steal their purse when all of a sudden they can go along whack them over the head with a hickory um, yeah, you know, cane or you know, something like that. All of a sudden, that's going to leave a mark, as they say. Absolutely, and then that's you know that's one of the main points. And one of the great things about force multipliers, right? They tend to level the playing field, and it's just a matter of knowing when and how to use them appropriately. And so mm-hmm. that's again, I keep saying it, but to me, that's what it's all about. It's almost impossible for me to view training in any other way. I really view it as, in, as a, in, a, in a holistic way where all of the disciplines are really interdependent upon one another. Um, you know, it's independent and indivisible from one another. They all work off of one another. You know, MMA is something that I, I train regularly, and MMA is its own art, you know. Um, it's its own art form. So I hope that people start looking into ways that they can seek training and competence with uh, using multiple disciplines simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Good discussion, Todd. But one of the things uh, where I think our instructors might be really interested in finding more about, because it sounds like we could refer a whole lot of students to your to your facility and have uh, you know have them get trained. Thanks. But I believe you've got a instructor program that you go that you do, right? 
Can yes, you sir. Give us a little bit of background on what that instructor program is. Yeah, thanks. In case somebody yeah. wants to go along and uh, yeah, thank you. It's in their lo- locality. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so the name of my business is called Integrative Defense Strategies. You can find us under that name on Facebook and YouTube. We put out a lot of video content and educational content on YouTube and Facebook. I would be honored if you would check us out there. Our web address is www.thisisids.com. A lot of people know us as IDS, right? Um, that's our that's our acronym. Um, but we do have an affiliate program, and I'll be honest, uh, the affiliate program is exploding. We just opened our affiliate program, our instructor certification program, eight or nine months ago, and we already have 35 affiliates across North America, all across the United States, and now we're in Canada, too. And we have people in Europe that are interested in what we're doing, and Africa are interested in what we're doing. And while we specialize in being a champion for the citizen defender, now we have a lot of people within law enforcement agencies that are becoming very interested in our training methodology. Um, So if you're interested in learning about that and becoming an affiliate and getting trained up in this more integrated approach, please contact us. If you go to our website, you'll see a button there that says affiliates and you can see a map and a directory for where all of our affiliates are at. And you can fill out a little questionnaire on there. And our director um, of affiliates, who who you know, Rob, Chris Sankey, who was with us at, at, uh, Ryan's place, he'll get back in touch with you and start answering your questions. And if you're, if you're, you know, feel like it's something you want to move forward with exploring more, we'll start, we'll start the onboarding process with you. Um, so thank you for asking that. It's, it's something that's very important to us. What, and, what does it include? If you're, if you're an affiliate, is it just a, you know, you pay one fee and you get a certificate hanging on the wall? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not like that. We have seven different levels of certification, what we call the IDS apex program. The first two levels of certification are actually inert weapons where we teach people how to use certain training pistols in three dimensional training and drills with hands free and firearms and build you and your students kinetic skills up um, anywhere. You know, we have affiliates that are teaching in their garage. We have affiliates that have big, fancy MMA schools. We have uh, students who are teaching in our instructors that are teaching in the basement of their church. That's the great thing about it is they now firearms instructors can start to have a, take a more holistic approach toward their training, but now they can start to sell memberships. It's really like a martial arts model. So they sell memberships. So their students are getting the frequency they need all throughout the week so they can build up more competence. And, uh, but then we use the live fire as a means of validating the live, you know, the live fire kinetic skills when it comes that way. The third level, we offer a, a force on force certification for, for civilians, which is a very difficult thing to find. Um, mm-hmm. That's level three. Levels four, five, and six are live fire, live fire certifications, but it takes an integrated approach toward live fire, a little bit different approach toward live fire. And then we have a level seven, which is sort of the highest level. Nobody has reached that level yet. And we're literally going to hand out certificates, but we'll also give people a cape with our logo on it once they reach level seven, because they'll be such a <laughs> badass. Um, so um, that's the approach that we take. What do they get? We also offer, we have a very in-depth high-tech instructor portal where instructors can go, where we have lesson plans with hyperlinks where, and hundreds of videos that 
you know, and diagrams, all of the support that they need, everything that I would have wanted when I was writing the program. You know, <laughs> also marketing support. I'm a regular contributor on Funker Tactical and some pretty major media outlets. So the branding is really important and more and more people are starting to recognize our brand. And, and so people are contacting us all the time looking for places that they can go across the country as a student, as an end user to learn from the instructors that we've certified. Um, so yes, they they pay it. They pay a, a monthly a monthly fee for the for the use of our services, and for the, the know how that we provide a licensing fee. It's a it's a nominal fee just for us to keep the our expenses covered. On. Yeah, keep our expenses covered, and then they come and they also pay a tuition per certification. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's basically that's base that's a basic uh, thumbnail of how the the affiliate program. And you works. guys are in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Do you ever travel? Uh, put on the affiliate courses. Yeah, uh, we we have plans in the works now where our affiliates are bringing us out to start to do um, instructor certification courses at other locations across the country. But for up to this point, we've been holding instructor certifications here at our headquarters in uh, in Minneapolis. Okay, let's. Well, very, very cool program to have. I mean, you gave us a really good overview about how you, you know, integrate evidence-based pro- training into your program for it to make it more useful for the students. You've got an instructor program that our listeners can go along and find out more from you. And if they want to, they can go ahead and become an instructor uh, for you. Uh, how do they, you want to give us those uh, website addresses also and where they can go along and find more about IDS and, and yeah. Todd Fossey? Yeah. Again, my name is Todd Fossey, T-O-D-D-F-O-S-S-E-Y is my name. And then our website, one more time, is www.thisisids.com. And go check us out there and please check out our social media. I think you guys will get a lot of our, out of our video content, training video content that we put out. I'll include those links in the show notes also. So if anybody wants to uh, look at them or uh, they've got questions about what it is, I will make sure they get get into the show notes for us. Do you mind if I make one final statement? If we're going to wrap it up. Go right ahead, Todd. I'm just going to speak from the heart here. Okay. Um, You guys are instructors. Um, which in, in my mind um, is a very, is a very uh, honorable thing. And you're doing important work, which to me says that this is in your blood. This is in your DNA. This is who you are. You have it in your DNA to watch over the flock and you have it in your DNA to teach others to watch over the flock. This is what we do. This is why we live. There's a rare percentage of us out there that are born this way. This is what I believe. It's why we, why we wake up every day. It's why we do the things that we do. It's why we, we, we put ourselves in situations that are uncomfortable in terms of training and how we choose to spend our time. And uh, we live in a society and a world today that demonizes and, and vilifies it. And uh, I would just like to encourage you all, stay the course. This is important work. Be bold. Uh, be bold, but be responsible and be prudent with what you're already doing. And uh, together we'll all make the world a better and a safer place. So let, I just want everyone to know I've got your back. IDS has your back and together, together we can, we can, uh, we can do this. One step at a time, one student at a time. We do the best we can with them and the world will change. Amen, brother. Sure. Amen. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. I have a few requests for our loyal listeners. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, uh, go along, subscribe to it on your favorite uh, podcaster uh, application on your phone. 
and make sure you don't miss any episodes. Tell your friends about us and, and ask them to subscribe also. This kind of information, if you miss a week, you're going to miss a whole lot of information and we're trying to get the best information out there possible for everybody's benefit. Visit our sponsor, Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Remember, being a responsible instructor means having coverage for yourself and also for your students. And use promo code FTP10 for 10% off on that, on that new membership. Leave us a comment, Google Play, iTunes, or on our website at firearmtrainerpodcast.com. If you leave us a comment, we'll respond to it, let you know what, what our thoughts are on it. If you have any input, questions, uh, feedback that you don't want to leave on the Google Play, email us at ftp at concealedcarry.com. And remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. You can pick the time and place to train, but you can never pick the place for a violent attack will take place. And until next time, stay safe. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.